Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Dewey Burke, Carolina 86-71 over Michigan in the Smith Center. Hard to believe it's the first time these teams have played since 1993. I'll show my age a little bit, Dewey. That was my senior year at Carolina. Pretty cool to go out as a senior with a national championship to celebrate. Uh, But let's talk about this game. Carolina coming off the Michigan State game looked as bad as they could look. Get home, get some rest, go into the Smith Center, and start out at least offensively about as good as they can look. Your take on that transition, those two and a half days of rest and getting home and getting back to friendly confines certainly helped the Tar Heels. I think that's right. They they were on the road a long time. They got young guys. That was their first road trip, first taste of what it's like to travel. And it's not like they just did a one-game, you know, 36-hour trip. They did it for 11 days, like we said. So probably felt really good to get home, sleep in their own bed, practice in their own gym. Get some uh, some film done in your own locker room, lift weights in your own weight room, etc. And they looked comfortable. They looked uh, a little bit more aggressive. They didn't necessarily play great defensively to start the game. Uh, Michigan made a ton of shots, some easy, some uh, tough and normally would be missed, but they made their first eight. So it was back and forth there early, and then we settled in and guarded them a little better. and They started missing shots, but look, we just – when we talked about the Michigan State game, it was a couple things. They got out physical, especially the bigs, and we made nothing. We were not going to shoot that poorly again, and obviously we didn't. Everything looks better when you put the ball in the basket, and we play better when we rebound the ball better than our opponent. And we did a great job sharing the ball tonight, 24 assists on 34 baskets. That's Golden State Warriors-type statistics. So the ball moved very nicely. Luke was terrific. And we just shot the ball better, and everything looks better when you do that. Yep, Carolina 34 for 62, almost 55%, and then almost 47% from three-point double. Well, about nine times better on the three-point side, but double the regular field goal percentage. And, Dewey, we can talk about Luke May probably all year. Uh, Sherelle McMillan talks about what he's doing is nothing short of just amazing given where he's been. Um, But I like how he's able to post up, and against Michigan he had some success down there. But there was one sequence when he posted up, he didn't get it, probably should have gotten it, didn't get it where he wanted it. He stepped out and immediately hit a three. And then later in the half, posted up, didn't get it, comes out, steps out for the three, but then pump fakes, takes one or two dribbles at the most, finds an easy layup. I mean, he's just, his game is perfect for what Roy Williams is trying to do, don't you think? He's incredibly versatile. And that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about versatility. We're talking about intelligence. And obviously, give him credit for the way he bounced back from an off night against Michigan State. When we did our preseason podcast, and you asked me what I thought about Luke May, I said, he's going to start the next 65 to 70 games of his career. For the next two years, he will play 30 to 35 minutes, and there won't be a question about it. That's how high the staff is on him. And so now we're seeing why, because he has played like this or some semblance of this 
in practice last year against the guys that obviously were starters on a national championship team. He's played like this in the summer. And now he's putting it out there in the real games. So I said after the Michigan State game that I thought perhaps he had been playing a little bit better than I thought he would and played worse in the Michigan State game than I thought he was capable of playing. I thought it would kind of normalize itself somewhere in between. But I tell you what, that was a game against a power conference team that was 6-1. and one. That's pretty damn good, and he had his way. And he's so difficult to guard because he can really score from anywhere. You saw him get to the rim off the bounce tonight and finish with the left. You saw him catch the ball in the post and do a, a Lajuan-like spin move in reverse layup to get fouled. He made free throws. He stepped out and did a catch-and-shoot three. He scored almost every way possible. Jump hooks, offensive rebounds. He rebounded the ball terrifically on the defensive side of the ball. It's amazing, really, to watch what he's doing. Uh, but, again, it speaks to his versatility, how hard he's worked. And uh, to, to your point about the specific possessions you referenced, he's able to score in many different ways. So uh, short of him having a just a very, very off shooting night like he did against Michigan State, I think we can expect maybe not 27 and, and 6 to 10, but, you know, 15, 18 points a game is not out of the question out of him every night. I really think so. Speak to not just Luke May, but certainly he's very good at it. Speak to a basketball player's ability or just innate ability to be in the right place, to get his body positioned, to take advantage of what skills he has. I mean, we've seen guys that can just bull their way through uh, and, and play that are just physically imposing over people. I mean, Hansbro did that. Shaq O'Neal certainly did that uh, for a long time. LeBron James does that a lot. But guys that can just get in position and, and score like May does, I mean, that is not something – it's something you can work on, I think, but I don't think it's really something that's learned – Um, you either have it or you don't may certainly has that ability despite his lack of size um, his like lack of athleticism just speak to that portion of his game I think it's a great point he has such great feel right in the end that's what you're talking about right you're talking about feel and he's got it in, in spades and so I would say it's a combination of like you said an innate ability and it seems to me he was coached very well when he was a young player and a young kid growing up, he has great fundamentals. His footwork is very solid. He can finish with each hand around the rim. And he's just got a, a way about him on the court that I think he keeps his defenders off balance. He understands angles. He understands, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, the geometry of basketball, which is very important and probably not thought about enough. And because of all those things, he makes up for the fact that he's not a prototypical ACC or Carolina power forward, right? When you think of, of that, you think of Isaiah Hicks, explosive, 6'9", 6'10", playing above the rim. You think of Brandon Wright. You think of Tyler Hansborough and Tyler Zeller and, and on down the line. He doesn't fit that mold, but what he does have is an incredible amount of skill for someone his size. There were a couple times tonight where he took a defensive rebound and he pushed the ball up the court. He looked like a point guard because his handle is solid enough. Uh, so I just think, uh, to your point, he's got amazing feel, and that's something that is a gift. It's not something you can really teach. Uh, it's just something you have, like you said, and you couple that with how hard he's worked on his skill development and his ability to use both hands and shoot the ball from the perimeter at his size. 
pretty dynamic and uh, how lucky we are to have him and what a great recruiting find by coach Williams uh, to snap him up because imagine if he had shown this type of ability earlier and maybe in his, in his high school career more so there'd have been a lot more guys coming after him as our game has evolved and the three point shot from big guys has become more prevalent like it has in the NBA. It eventually trickles its way down to college. He would have been a very hot commodity as a stretch four, and we got him as a walk-on, right? So kudos to Coach Williams and the staff for seeing in him and, and, and believing that he could become something, maybe not this good, but become something that could help our team. Yeah, that class with May and Kenny Williams just going to turn out to be a pretty special recruiting class when nobody expected it or thought much of it when it happened. Uh, Kenny Williams tonight, four of seven from the field, three of five, three-point range. Another good game for him, but especially good to his coming off that he was awful against Michigan State, struggled mightily against the physicality of those guys, but came out tonight and hit shots early and got Carolina off to a good start. Kenny was great, and he's he's shown a penchant for doing that, hasn't he? We've had several games this year where he's been our spark to start the game, hitting a couple shots, whether it's in a secondary set, or getting to the rim for an easy bucket or diving on a loose ball to help us kind of set the tone. Uh, I thought he was terrific, and you can see why Coach Williams is so fond of him. Always the first man to the floor, works his tail off defensively, and has begun to be the solid perimeter shooter that we thought he would be coming in as a recruit, three for five tonight from three. I also want to point out that I thought Theo was really good tonight. I really did. Uh, you look across the line, eight points, six assists, seven rebounds, a steal. A couple turnovers, yes, but he's such a willing passer and and tries to be a playmaker so often that he's always going to have a couple turnovers. But I thought he was really good tonight. He made plays. He got to the rim. He only took the one three versus, I think, five or six he took against Michigan State. So he stayed in his lane, so to speak. He was good defensively. I really thought he had an excellent, excellent game. I was going to go there with Theo. He's one of those guys that, you know, you can say, oh, Theo, and it can mean a bunch of different things when he's out there playing. But I want to ask you about Kenny Williams' shot versus Theo Pinson's shot. Kenny Williams looks so smooth, so, you know, form correct, just a beautiful shot. And then you've got Pinson, who's a senior. Compare their two forms there. I think it has a little bit to do how they shoot. I mean, Kenny Williams is much better. But Pinson, like you said, he stayed in his lane tonight against Michigan, which helps Carolina's offense um, because if he shoots five or six threes a game and he's only going to make one or none, that just that doesn't do much for Carolina. Talk about their that aspect of those two players. I think it's a great point. Kenny, to me, has, as you said, a smoother release. There's no hitch really, or, or a subtle hitch, I would say. But I think his footwork is better. I think he understands coming off of a double down screen, like we run a lot at the back half of our secondary plays, uh, into a catch and shoot where he's on rhythm and on balance. And Theo, to me, although his shot looks a little bit better, still has a hitch up above his head. And he still, we're getting into the weeds a little bit, but he still jumps forward when he takes his shot, which in effect has him leaning back. And if you think again about the geometry and the, and, and the way that the ball leaves your hand, if you jump straight up 
and then release the, the shot at the top of your jump. And then the next time you shoot, you jump forward, right? And your body leans back. That ball is going to leave your hand at a different point. And so now the way it travels to the rim is completely different. It's not, it's not consistent. And that is what I think Theo's problem is, is his, his release is not readable. And I know they've worked for them on it, but it's some things are so ingrained, they can be hard to break habits, even if you shoot hundreds of thousands of shots. And so sometimes he goes straight up and sometimes he still jumps forward. And that to me is what causes a different release point. Even if it's inches, that can be the difference between a make and a miss. And so that, that would be my constructive criticism of the way Theo shoots the ball is it's not a consistent release point. And that just doesn't work. You can't be a solid and consistent shooter if the ball doesn't leave your hand the same way every time. And it does for Kenny. It does for Joel Berry, guys that are consistently better shooters, Luke. Uh, and Theo's is just just a little off, in my opinion. And, you know, at this point, he's a senior. And if it hasn't kind of gotten itself where it needs to be by now, it, it probably isn't going to happen. So he needs to play like he did tonight, affect the game in other ways, get to the rim where he's extremely dynamic, both as a passer and a finisher, rebound the basketball, push the pace, and, and create plays with his passing. That's where he's valuable. Yep, eight, seven, and six, one steal, one block, and just two turnovers for Pinson certainly affects the game, like you said, in many different ways. So Carolina wins 86-71. Let's talk about Joel Berry. And I read a tweet, and I couldn't find it. and props to whoever put it out there and i hope it's accurate because i'm going to talk about it uh, barry off the ball versus on the ball from north carolina i think that the numbers were something like he's 30 points per game per 40 minutes off the ball and maybe 15 or 16 on the ball either way if woods or felton can get where they can play significant minutes that gets that portion of the game off Barry, and Barry can even put more into scoring the basketball, which Dewey, he's become very good at for North Carolina. I think that is what the staff really believed would take place by the time this team rounded into form. I think they believed it would be Jalik. He's still got some growing to do. I think he's not quite in shape yet from what I watch. And so they can't play him long stretches of minutes because he just gets tired. He's not at a college level of conditioning yet. So I think they really believed that down the stretch of this season, they'd be playing Jalik a lot of time at the one with Joel at the two because of his ability to score and create and shoot the basketball. He really always has been a score first point guard his entire career anyway. And so putting him at the two and running specific sets for him as opposed to like last year, we would run sets for Justin. You can put Joel in some of those situations to create scoring and shooting opportunities for him. Again, like you said, if Jalik, or maybe it is seventh, can be solid enough that coach trusts them down the stretch. Because I think he'll continue to tinker with it and put those guys in at the one with Joel at the two early in games and early in the season. But when we get down the stretch, if they haven't proven that they can handle the ball not turn it over, make good decisions on the break and in our secondary. They haven't proven it. He's not going to do it. And you're going to see Joel with the ball in his hands because he's earned the trust. So that is what remains to be seen. I think you bring up a great point. I think any minutes we can get with Joel at the two is a positive for our team because he's such a dynamic shooter and you'd love to have him be the one coming off of screens and double downs and, and different back halves of secondary plays that we have. 
to be the catch and shoot guy because he's such a phenomenal shooter. But again, it's going to come down to trust. And if coach believes that one of those two guys can handle the burden and execute and do the things that he wants, then he'll go with it. But if not, that ball would be in Joel Berry's hands down the stretch. You can bet on it. Good stuff, Dewey. Garrison Brooks, Sterling Manley, Brandon Huffman, the the big three centers certainly played well for Carolina. Carolina gets back on the winning track, 86-71. They go to Davidson. I believe they play in the Spectrum Center Friday night in Charlotte. Should be an interesting game. Davidson's always fun to watch if you like pure basketball, so North Carolina may have their hands full there. Dewey, hope to talk to you again soon, man. Always appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to talk to me. Thanks, Tommy. Appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.